and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Chad Bogleman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 513. Even more hodgepodge? <laughs> Trailer hodgepodge. Higher quality hodgepodge. <laughs> Trailer hodgepodge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what are we starting off with? Let's do let's do the Disney stuff because there's so much of it anyway. So let's do Let's do the Marvels trailer. Now it's funny because right before the Star Wars celebration came out, and before we before they dropped another trailer, I mean we'll be talking about a lot of things that they dropped and talked about. But before the other, before the indie trailer, spoiler alert, before the indie trailer dropped, I was thinking that you know when it came to the Marvels, they pretty much had you would think based on their traditional way of marketing. That they was they were going to drop this trailer before Guardians, so they could slap it on Guardians and and have the, the current Marvel movie push the next, because that's what they used to do. Certainly before Chapek kind of seemingly got in, involved in how Marvel and Feige was doing mar- marketing. So I did expect to get a trailer, but the only other cushion would have been for them if they didn't get want to give us a trailer yet. They could have put it on indie. And use that as the gateway to try to push it. Because I thought Indiana Jones is so is much more important financially than the Marvels is <laughs> to, Dis- to Disney. That it wouldn't have surprised me if, the, if we were only going to get one trailer, we would have gotten the indie trailer. But when we got them, but it 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 made perfect sense. I mean, some people said hey, it's all, it's awfully early, but they seem to forget that this is the way traditionally. Again, it's always been it's 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 an aberration, probably because of the pandemic that we start getting trailers for a movie that we haven't seen anything before like but four months before it comes out that's not the way it usually has always been we've always had trailers depending because sometimes you get three or four trailers for a movie so i so it didn't surprise me this came out this week it makes sense it gives it a couple of weeks to breathe before guardians comes out and they'll slap it on guardians i do think it's an interesting tonally it's an interesting trailer that this that they decided to go with this to go with the tone that they did but i like i for the most part i like the trailer i think it still is funny that again of all the character of all the characters in the trailer that carol gets probably the, le- the least amount of screen time which is probably not by coincidence and i think uh, i think it's pretty safe to say if this movie is going to work it's going to work because of amon Vellani. that's the character they're hoping is going to be the everyman, you know, POB character in this movie. But I thought for the most part it worked. I obviously it was nice seeing Goose again and the potential army of Flurkins. That was kind of <laughs> uh, 
that's that's almost so much um i don't know what's 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 a trailer equivalent of clickbait uh you know just putting in something that you know i guess an easter egg you could call it or something like that it's just you know here's the cat oh and look we're gonna see a whole bunch of flurkins uh that's kind of weird i i uh it makes me you know it actually makes me curious uh i i haven't seen it yet i'm gonna finally watch miss marvel um because of this trailer because she's our kind of pov character um for the most part she's kind of a fish out of water in a little bit she's you know young dumb and full of uh enthusiasm here so you know she's uh, I mean, the girl winds up in space uh, <laughs> and is like, hey, oh, what's happening? Oh, it's Nick Fury. <laughs> Suddenly she's not as scared anymore. So that's I don't know. Whereas if any one of us found ourselves in space uh, unawares, I'd probably absolutely lose my shit because uh, that's terrifying to me. <laughs> I would love to go to space, but um we gotta we gotta have the whole air supply and uh, safety thing just absolutely locked down before I'm comfortable going out there, <laughs> uh, because uh, the idea of uh, going into space and you know rupturing my suit or something like that just terrifies me. But anyways, uh, it it does look it does look fun. The I, I do like the idea because like they told us what this movie was in terms of the main three characters that we're supposed to be getting out of this, but they didn't tell us why the three of them were teaming up. So it really felt like we were teaming them up just because we need to team them up uh, because they're the same family of characters or whatever, but that never really felt like enough because there's no story reason to do that. And in the idea that them using their powers or whatever is kind of, or rather, I don't know, maybe interacting with this wall and then using their powers uh, somehow triggers it. Um, That's cool uh, because, you know, maybe they don't kind of swap places when they're in close proximity to one another, only when they're vast different distances apart. So rather than Kamala being accidentally teleported to some random corner of space to fight baddies all by herself or with a flurkin, she at least has backup. So like, do her parents want her to go out into space and do shit? Probably not. But but it's safer than her going by herself or something. So it kind of makes sense that she would go along with them. Um, so I don't know. Uh, again, I haven't seen uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, I haven't seen that series yet. So I, I can't really speak to her aptitude or what her family thinks of her abilities or her utilizing her abilities in any way, shape or form and the danger it puts her in. So I, I don't know. Um, but that's the kind of sense I would get from it that at least this, this team up makes more sense now. Yeah. They still obviously have to explain why the powers, why the power swap is going on and related to their power set. And it is, I still don't know if this trailer changes the probable fortunes of this movie, but I think it's certainly a step in the right direction because it looks it looks fun and you kind of figured along all along that if the movie was is going it's if it's going to work it's probably not going to work because of captain marvel it's probably not going to work because of that character it's probably going to work because of monica and or i mean it's more amon Vellani is more kamala but monica is pretty relatable too 
And not that we've seen her again since at, until this trailer. We hadn't seen her since WandaVision. But I think it's going to be it's going to be curious to see the interaction between the three of them because from something that I it doesn't mean it's true, but something that I read is the fact that Monica and Carol Danvers are not going to be too friendly, at least from Monica's perspective to start with, because she's going to have some resentment towards Carol based on things that how things played out with her mom and how Carol kind of just was absentee that I think this, so that's not where, so they're not going to, so supposedly they're not going to be like as buddy, buddy as you would expect considering how close they were when Monica was a kid. And obviously you have Kamala who worships Carol. So you're going to, and so then you also have the dynamic, what kind of dynamic will Monica have with, with Kamala? I liked it. I thought to, yeah, to me, to me, the fun, you know, the, the best parts are, the stuff with the stuff with Goose just makes me laugh, and then the fact that hey, we could be getting a plethora of Flurkins—that's <laughs> kind of funny. But yeah, so I thought I thought for a for a teaser, it is it was pretty it was pretty successful. Like, it's hard not to laugh when you're watching that trailer, and I think based on the tone that they established, I think that was a uh, you couldn't pretty much. You, I don't think you could ask for anything better than that. True. And I, I mean, honestly, I'm actually shocked to hear you say that you thought it was pretty good, I, as I, I would assume there are other listeners, because going into this, you weren't that, that excited about this at all. This would probably be your least favorite project in terms of things that were on the slate, right? It's high up there. It's it's the project that I think is least likely to work mm-hmm. from a financial perspective. Uh, well, obviously, we'll have like one like we talked about last week, we'll have a better idea once we see how the Guardians actually what they what guardians does then we'll have we'll have a little bit of an inkling if, i mean only from the perspective if guardians underachieves and yeah the marvels is going to be an exceptionally tough sell because there isn't a huge fan base for that franchise despite what some people want to say i mean captain marvel benefited from being the last movie that came out before endgame which was literally the peak of enthusiasm for the for the mcu Everything right before Infinity War through the release of Endgame was the peak of interest in the MCU. You could really, you probably could have released a Howard the Duck movie at that point, and it would have opened up close to $150 million. Yeah. That's not saying that there wasn't any interest, but people also thought it was going to have more of a direct relation to Endgame. Something in that movie might have a direct relation to Endgame more than it did. So it was, it just benefited from that. And then, and again, also, lots of movies make money, but at the end of the day, they don't turn out to be overly popular because it's so front loaded. And then people go, well, we went to see it, but it, we, we, we didn't really love it. But the trailer, I like Amon Vellani. And I, so I think that's, and clearly that's what they're hoping is going to be the hook. The danger, of course, is it's a, it's a show that not that many people watched. People who watched it all the way through liked it, but not that many people watched it. So that's where the catch and the same thing with Monica. We haven't seen Monica in forever. So hoping those two characters are going to be more of a hook, which they clearly are, no matter how they spin it, because or else Captain Marvel's name would be in the damn title of the movie. And it's not. They don't think she's going to she's the draw in this movie. But I think the trailer was effective. And I think that's all you can all you can hope for. And the set you assume this when you get the second trailer that it will give you a little bit more of a the plot. Now the question will be how long will we wait? Are they gonna are they gonna hold off on this until are we gonna get like a second trailer by Indy in June? Are they gonna hold off even longer and maybe throw it on Haunted Mansion or something? This could very well be a movie that you end up with at least three trailers for because it they, because it probably needs it. Yeah. So 
Did you see the top comment on the trailer on YouTube? <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time Monica Rambeau accidentally acquired a superpower by inexplicably touching a dangerous energy wall, I would have two nickels. That's not, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not a lot, but it's weird it's happened twice. <laughs> that, yeah, that is that is true. It's been so long since I watched WandaVision, but that that is not an inaccurate statement. <laughs> um, interesting note, though, um, the they they do the whole, you know, you know, location uh, narration little thing on the screen when we first see the space station that Nick Fury's out at. It's called Saber. Have we already been using swords somewhere else, or are we just slowly getting to sword? I'm trying. Well, obviously there was that can- that post that that post credit scene. What was that at the end of? That was Spider Man, right? That was it was uh, Far From Home. It had to be Far From Home. Because Far From Home was Far From Home was the movie where we thought we were dealing with Nick Fury and the, the whole movie, and we weren't because they were scrolls. But I, I don't know if oh, they I guess tell us. I guess it was in WandaVision because Monica Rambeau works for Sword. Sent, sentient Weapon Observation and Response Division. Right, but I don't know. If, I don't think I don't know if they named. Oh, well, that that, that would have makes that would make sense. They could have name dropped it there because technically Spider Man. Uh, far, far from home came out first. Far from, far from home is where we said the Nick Fury cameo when he was in, when we thought he was on the beach on vacation. It turns out he's in space on the space station. Yeah, sword was, that. sword was uh, formed by, uh, or founded by Maria Rambo in the MCU. I don't know much about Marvel comics, at least in the way I do about DC, but I do know about Sword. So I was, I forgot that it was in Wandavision. All right, we spent some significant time on that. Didn't expect that. Where are we going next? Now you have not watched the indie trailer. I have not. No. I will say this: the indie trailer is better than the first one. I'm not sure how the masses feel about it compared to. I mean, it seemed pretty fair to say when the first trailer dropped, the teaser trailer, that it kind of wasn't a, wasn't a particularly big hit. I don't think it didn't get a lot of views. I don't think most people were overly impressed with it. It was a teaser for what, for, which is true, but I don't think it it didn't alleviate any anxiety people had about what that project was going to be too. I don't know entirely if this if this trailer completely alleviates anxiety too. I think it makes you feel a little bit better that regardless of what the movie was at one point, that it it, it may not be as bad from a plot perspective as it was rumored to be. They may have fixed some things since supposedly. The, the the word on the street is that Kathleen Kennedy has a lot riding on this movie. That if she wants her little golden parachute to be intact, that she negotiated that this movie has to make money, which is not going to be an easy task because this is this is a project that's probably going to have to at least make eight hundred to nine hundred million dollars worldwide in, in order for this movie to make money, because the budget itself is about three hundred. It's knocking on the door of three hundred, and that's not even counting if they're just, if they're tweaking it anymore. And then, you know, the promotional budget on this movie is going to be pretty enormous because of how important it is that it succeeds. They're going to be so even saying they're going to spend one hundred million dollars on on marketing is probably conservative for this movie. So, yeah, they're going to have to do at least they're going to have to do at least between eight and nine just to turn a profit. And supposedly that's critical. I thought the trailer was better. I It does kind of confirm some things. Obviously, it, it involves some it involves time travel to a certain extent. That which has been rumored all along that this movie in, involves time travel, that uh, that's what the based on the trailer, you can kind of 
ascertain that Mads Mikkelsen, that that's his goal is to use whatever the dial of destiny's powers are to fix fix uh, the past going back to 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 Hitler in, the, in Nazi Germany, because that's where his character supposedly comes from. He's supposed to be part of Operation Paperclip and he was absorbed. I think into NASA. I think that's where we find him as they're celebrating the moon landing and everything that you see in the trailer, the, both trailers that he, that's, that's supposedly the backstory of his character that he was, he, he was a Nazi, he was a Nazi scientist at one of, like in real life, many that got brought over t- to the U S in, in operation paperclip to put them to work for us. I thought that, I thought the tone of the trailer was better. It's an interesting way of looking at things. Because we still only see, we kind of see the same action scenes, different parts of them, but we kind of see the same action sequences, which can be interpreted multiple ways. You can say, well, that means there's a whole lot of stuff in this movie that they're not showing us at all. Or it could also imply that there aren't as many out and out action sequences as you would expect. We can Let's be optimistic and say that they're, they're purposely keeping a lot of things from us at this point. But... I thought it was an effect. I thought it was an it was an effective trailer, and it makes me feel a little better about this project. We'll have to, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I would I would say that both the Marvels trailer and the and the Indiana Jones trailer was they they were successful. Yeah, I mean it, it looks good. I just watched it while you were talking. I, I had it completely muted, so I was listening to everything you said with the I had the captions on here. Uh, the action sequences look interesting. Uh, at least the CGI for making uh, Harrison and everybody look young looks pretty good. Um, some of the underwater scenes are interesting. I don't know where where they're going with that, but I do like uh, you know there's there's a couple of scenes of Indy in a tomb or some sort of ancient ruins. You got to have that. Um, some sky sequences look interesting with those, uh, bombers. Uh, those are interesting. And, uh, the cast looks kind of fun here. Um, we'll see a little shout out to, you know, the rolling ball, the rolling, uh, stone, uh, thing there. And by rolling stone, I don't mean the music playing <laughs> in the trailer. I mean, the, uh, the beginning I mean, the of Raiders. Yeah. The beginning of Raiders. You mentioned something that I thought was interesting because given, to today's modern context and the way people, you know, like for let's, you know, the, the Snyder stands who go and they purposely review bomb everything because, you know, it's not their, their God's vision of the DCU. So they want to shit on everything DC makes and they advance review bomb things. Do you think some of the star Wars fans who are adamantly against Kathleen Kennedy have heard some of the rumors that you just mentioned and may purposely review bomb this thing and try and make sure it fails? I would like to think that the overwhelming majority of people who have issues, which probably is the overwhelming majority of of Star Wars fans who have issues with Kathleen Kennedy, I like to think they're not they're not going to do that just to do it. I don't I don't think so. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. There's, there's always a risk of anything. I mean, just like even even on the on, on the opposite end, there's always a chance that there's a movie that people don't even know, haven't really watched or or no matter what they think of it, when they watch it, they're going to run to Rotten Tomatoes and give it a thumbs up just because they want to support either the star or the director or whatever, or just to flip the bird to the critics. So there's always an element of that. I, I think, I mean, obviously the overwhelming, I would say the overwhelming majority of people who are, Star Wars fans and, and are also indie fans have heard a lot of the rumors about about this movie. Now that again, I I would suspect 
that a lot of these things are not going to be in the movie, which doesn't mean they were never in the movie, despite what Kathleen Kennedy might say or what Mangold might say or what it, it doesn't matter. They're not going to come out and tell you, oh, yeah, we were going we to screw Indy over at the end. And then we that was one of the options that we had. Even if it was, they're not going to tell you this because it would just piss people off, even if we, if you don't see it, if it never sees the light of day. So I do think that most people, many, many people, let's say many, many Star Wars fans have heard all the rumors about what this movie at least was at one point. And that's kind of why this trailer, I think, has gained some traction, because it looks more like the worst case scenario about what this movie was supposed to be and rumored to be probably isn't going to be true. So that's about all. That's about the best you could hope for at this point. I think it'll be again, since it's April, we got this trailer. That movie comes out in June. It's still possible. We'll give us another trailer. It's still very possible, but maybe towards the end, if, towards the end of May, they could give us something. But the, because we know they're going to give us a lot with the marketing one way or the other, because they have to, they need, they, this, they need this movie to make money. That's supposed to be what the edict is. We don't know if it's true. That's supposed to be what the edict is from Iger down to Kathleen Kennedy when they had their meeting, that this movie has to make money. Can't break even, can't lose a little bit, has to make money. So they're going to have to market the hell out of this movie in, a, in, hopefully, in an effective fashion, not like bomb you know, bombard you over the head with it, kind of what they did with Green Lantern and other movies, and even like Ultron, which after a while just becomes counterproductive. So, all right, what's next? All righty. So let's, let's, God help us, since we just talked about Indiana Jones, let's do the natural segue and let's go to Star Wars. There was a lot of stuff in Star Wars Celebration, probably more than a lot of people, I guess, would have suspected. I mean, I think people suspected we were getting some news, but we kind of got a bunch of stuff all dropped at, at one time. Let's do, let's do some of the quicker stuff. Uh, obviously they showed the first trailer for Ahsoka. That that show when 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 does Ahsoka come out? That's the end of the summer, right? That's August, I think. I think it's August. You're asking the wrong person. I know. I think I think it's August because Secret Invasion we know starts in June, so they're not. So the one thing they kind of gotten a little brighter about is like it's like dude, it's like dudes, you only have a few shows. You don't need to have them running at the same time, which was another stupid thing that helped hurt Ms. Marvel by having it run when Obi Wan was running because you know which show people were going to gravitate towards, or at least release them on different days. That would have been a bright thing, too, uh, instead of the same stupid Wednesday t- time, which I don't understand that either. But I thought the Ahsoka trailer looked good. Again, the, the negative is, if re- I mean, you if you now I saw some episodes of Rebels. I never saw all of Rebels because I didn't have that Disney, whatever channel, whatever, whatever Disney channel it was on. I didn't actually have that in my cable package. So basically the important episodes with Darth Maul and different things I saw on YouTube. When, when the clips and the things leaked, I didn't really get to watch. Now I, I went back and started watching a few of the early episodes and the important ones on Disney plus, but that's a really big, but obviously, especially when it comes to Ahsoka, if you watch the clone war show, you'll have, you'll have a lot of background, but it seems like they're, they're really leaning heavily into the rebels stuff, dealing with Thrawn and dealing with some, all the, you know, the characters that, you know, Sabine and and characters from Rebels that I think that that's going to be a big and it's a big draw but it also it also counts on the same thing that could potentially hurt the Marvels about you have to be 
caught up in TV shows to, or else you're going to be lost, at least for the beginning. If you didn't, if you didn't watch WandaVision or Ms. Marvel, you're really going to be friggin' lost in that movie, at least when it starts. So it's kind of like the same thing. And I think it's in, it's intriguing. I'm not a Thrawn guy. I've said this before. I personally, just like my opinion is popular or not, that that Return of the Jedi gets a lot more love than it deserves because it was the last movie of the original trilogy. And for the longest time, people thought that was going to be the last Star Wars movie we were ever going to get. That I think the all, all the ties to Thrawn, going back to the Timothy Zahn, Heir to the Empire trilogy, I think there's a lot more. And I'm not saying the books weren't good. I haven't read them since they came out, so I, it's hard for me to make a judgment call on whether I, th- I would, my, my opinion would change now if I went back and I read all three books. I think there's a lot of love towards those books because that was the first opening salvo in the expanded universe and the first officially sanctioned sequel to take place, not kind of comic books or anything, to take place post Return of the Jedi. So I think people have a fond memory for anything related to that. And even though this is not 100% that version of Thrawn. There's enough of that version that they brought over into Rebels and everything else. So I know a lot of people have attachment to that character. For me, that's not huge. That's not a huge plus for me. I'm hoping it will draw me in in a in a way because I'm I'm, I'm not a blank slate clearly when it comes to Ahsoka. But like I said, when it comes to the Rebel stuff, I'm not as well informed about it as as many others will be. So I'm hoping it's going to work on its own level, that you, that it's not going to be one of those things where you're going to be hopelessly lost or even if you're not lost, but you get the gist of what's going on in the relationships, that it's more or less just a rebel sequel. And if you and if you, and if you either didn't love rebels or didn't watch all the rebels that you it's not going to mean much to you. But I thought the action and everything looked looked pretty cool. and. The Dave Filoni stuff, even though it's not all, it's not always a hit. I think it's more a hit than it's missed for the most part when he really, the way, and I think he understands Star Wars enough where he always gets the benefit of the doubt from people, even if it doesn't always work, that people know that spiritually anyway, he is the true successor to George Lucas. He's George Lucas's real, you know, the closest thing George Lucas had to an apprentice based on learning under him and having a similar view about Star Wars as George Lucas that. I think Filoni gets a lot of positive street cred because of that. So I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to that series and, you know, Mandalorian season three has been hit or miss. I think it's gotten a little better, but I'm hoping that that will kind of, especially based on where they want to go. when we'll talk about the movies in a few minutes. That's kind of important that Ahsoka really works. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, it looks uh, visually, it looks great. Uh, you know, there, I'm sure there were a lot of people watching the trailer when Thrawn showed up and, you know, pointed at it, pointed at the screen. And when she said the thing, when she said heir to the empire. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, you're you're I, I agree with you in some regard about your thoughts on the Zahn novels because of them being the first thing, the first novels post uh, movies and everything. But I don't necessarily I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that it's a part of the love that Thrawn tends to get. But I I wouldn't put it out that actually I think Thrawn's probably the best thing of those novels. I they're the only Star Wars novels I've ever read pick cover to cover uh, and read multiple times. Uh, I, I obviously haven't read them as much as like, say, Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles or whatever, um, but I've read them a few times and. Thrawn is a villain, an adversary, or somebody who is 
uh, as far as my eye goes in terms of Star Wars stuff I've encountered is a wholly unique villain uh, in terms of his uh, his intellect, his uh, his tacticianness, his coldness. Um, there are things that Thrawn does, at least in those novels. And again, I didn't see his modern interpretation in terms of, I guess, the new books that have come out. I think there's a new Thrawn book or two or something like that. Yeah, there's, there's more than there's several. Maybe. And uh, there's also the stuff from Rebels that you mentioned. Uh, but you said they keep a lot of that stuff from there. So my my thought in 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 that is, you know, there were there were things that Thrawn did that you would never see Vader or the emperor do moves that he made sacrifice plays. He made ground that he let the Jedi or whomever who was going up against him gain just so he could outsmart them later on. I, I, I think he brings, uh, because it, it was, it was for, for the, uh, for the Sith, it was, it always seemed like just the goal is extermination. We're just getting rid of uh, it's just violence, extermination, get rid of the Jedi. Um, whereas with 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 Thrawn, there seemed I mean, it's not like that wasn't there, but it seemed there was a bit more to his ends, to his goals, to what he wanted to see for the universe and so on and so forth, other than unleashing kick. Because he first of all, he's not force sensitive, like he doesn't give a shit necessarily about that stuff. So um, I think. My natural curiosity for the actress who plays Ahsoka, um, my like of Ahsoka in what I've ever seen of her and plus what I saw of her in The Mandalorian, the visuals of this actual trailer, this it does look very good. And plus the appeal of Thrawn, I want I, that leads me to say I want to see this. No, I, I, I get it. And I, it's not like I, I it's not like I dislike Thrawn. It's just like I said, I. This is where my view of the character gets colored by a certain extent because of again my my view on the on that trilogy and just I just think it's good. I don't think it's the best. It's certainly not what I would consider the best Star Wars I've ever read. I might feel like like I said a few minutes ago. I might feel or give it more more due than I'm giving it now if I went back and I reread it as objectively now. But I remember, but I, but I also remember that I liked it when it first came out. I just, I didn't love it. It didn't, I wasn't captivated like, oh, this is the best stuff ever. But then again, it could be my natural reaction to everybody just fawning over it that makes me not want to fawn over it. And that we didn't have that world back in, in 93 or whenever it was. So it was somewhere around 92 or 93, I think, without Googling it when, uh, when Heir to the Empire came out. It was somewhere, somewhere around the early 90s, 91, 92, 93, somewhere, I think, in that range. It was, it's good. And I understand why it, it's got, it got the expanded universe off to a good start. And I understand why people are attached to the character. And it's also, it's also sentimentality and, and, and nostalgia attachment to the expand, to the, what's now legends because Disney white, you know, like the old Republic it was wiped away that there's so much stuff that people loved about those books and about that timeline and the things that were established and so every any time you get bits and pieces of those of those books that get wrapped into current continuity i think this that makes people happy okay cool what's next all right so let's continuing on through the some of the tv show news before we get into the the movies 
not that I watch, not that I, I ever did get a chance to go back and watch where I left off, but Andor will will get a season two. I believe season two is supposed to be the end of Andor. I think based on what they had announced all along, I think it was only going to be a two two season series. And Bad Bad Batch, Bad Batch season three, which will also be the last season of that. That's that's going to be coming out. We are getting a new another another season of that Star Wars Vision show, which is kind of like the anime version, the anime style. I think that's actually coming out relatively soon. And Tales of the Jedi is getting a second season, which was pretty cool. Did you watch? I forget. Did you watch those? Mm-mm. No. You should. You should. There's eh, you should because it, there's a lot of stuff about because almost every single episode is either about Ahsoka. Or it's about tr- the backstory of, of Count Dooku going from where he was to where he ended up. So it's all, it's all, it's all very, very interesting. And they're short. They're only like, I think they're only like about 20 minute, uh, mini episodes animated. So that's, that's cool. So, uh, I don't know if we have much to say about any of those. Probably not. Mm, not really. I'll be curious to see how Bad Batch ends up. I didn't think Bad Batch season two overall was as good as the first season. And considering I didn't care about the characters at all, and I liked the first season, that told you, from my perspective, that they did a good job of storytelling. Second season was a little, was more, was pretty hit, pretty hit and miss. They had a bunch of episodes that really they weren't, they were barely in at all. And I don't know, uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends because, as we're about to see, as we're talking now about to. The three new Star Wars movies that were announced. And of course, the, the, as we all laugh to a certain extent to see how many of these movies are actually ever going to get made. <laughs> the, the, the Lucasfilm Kathleen Kennedy curse to see how many of these projects are going to see the light of day, certainly in the current incarnation with the same director and the same writer and everybody attached. But you have, you're going to have a Mangold, a James Mangold. Which is kind of funny because if, if for some reason Indiana Jones completely tanked, he might end up suffering the same fate like Ryan Johnson did. <laughs> Maybe not because he's got a because it's not like it's going to. But let, let's not even hypothesize or, or guess at this point about that potential fallout. That Mangold is going to be doing a Star Wars movie, which is about the first Jedi in the beginning of the Force and the beginning of the Jedi Order. There's going to be a movie about going in chronological order since that's way before the time of the new of episodes four through six it's like thousands of years before then we're going to have the dave filoni directed movie which is going to wrap up everything that he's been doing and he and favreau basically have been doing in live action so that will include the mandalorian storylines the ahsoka storylines book of boba fett if any, any of that carries over and you kind of suspect there's going to be stuff from uh there may be stuff from the Bad Batch and Rebels and other stuff that gets that all ties into. But basically, that's that's supposed to be the, you know, the icing on the Dave Filoni cake of all the stuff that he's been doing for Star Wars, that he's going to be directing a feature film. And the last movie and probably the one mo- the least which will have the least interest to start with is the Ray. Ray in the New Jedi Order movie, the trying to establish and trying to keep it from falling apart which is supposed to take place about 15 years i believe after rise of skywalker so which one of those three movies interests you the most um i think it's the it's the mangold one i think 
the first Jedi ever. I, I read a quote online. He's described as a biblical epic. Something like that. That could make I mean, that would make sense one way or the other. Yeah, because there was a um, and see, I'm looking at my comic book shelf right now, and I don't know if I ever bought the trade of it. There was a Star Wars series, I think, published by Dark Horse, maybe at the time when Dark Horse had the license. And it was like a Star Wars uh, Origins of the Jedi type of book. It was very popular at the time, but I don't remember what the hell it was called. There it is. Sorry. I'm looking at my shelf. Dawn of the Jedi. It was written. Uh, it was. Let's see here. Just so I can tell people uh, out in out out and about who who did this. This is a story by John Ostrander and uh, Jan Dersema. Um, uh, so it was script by Ostrander and pencils by Jan. Inks by Dan Parsons. Um, and I really enjoyed that. The copyright on this, let's see, it came out. Sorry. I'm just looking here. I don't need to be killing time. Uh, All right. 2012, looks like. Um, I never got the other trades of it, though I intended to. It just kind of fell off the radar. But do you remember Do you remember those... Um, those floating try uh, those floating uh, power batteries from the universe before from relics yes. universe. Yeah. There were floating sort of Jedi pyramid temples that look very similar um, that if it's been a long time since I read this story, but almost explic- inexplicably showed up across the universe uh, at one point. And that kind of helps birth the idea and the concept of the Jedi and uh, you know, the, people devoted to this power source or whatever. I, I Again, it's been a, while, a long time since I read it, but I remember being um, curious and captivated by what I was reading. I would be interested to learn more about this or pay attention to more about this to see if it would be based off of, uh, if not largely based off of Dawn of the Jedi, uh, then based somewhat off of it. I just have a natural curiosity of the origins of that stuff. Much in the same way, I think I just have a curiosity of the origins of lots of sci-fi stuff, like how things get started, because uh, I hear it's probably the most uh, dense and lore-heavy and hard-to-read of the uh, of the books in the Lord of the Rings stuff, but the, is it Silmarillion or whatever that tells the story of the origins of everything? Yeah, and that's that the Yeah. I hear that one's a, a bitch to read, um, but I've always been curious about it. So um, when this, when this, when Dark Horse put this out, book one is called Force Storm. Um, uh, I had to, I had to give it a shot. Did you ever hear about this or read it? I think I, I'm pretty sure I heard about it. There, there was very, very little of Dark Horse that I read. Uh, I read, I read a bunch of the Infinity stuff, which were like the alternate timeline what if things with 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 the original trilogy there was a when they did the, i think it was the darth maul son of dathomir i think they did that series i think i bought i have i had that and they, there was actually one there was a count there was a there was a count dooku one which actually explores how how he got to meet which actually is interesting because it relates to the mandalorians how he in uh Django Fett actually met to kind of begin that relationship. 
but for the most part i didn't i did not read regularly any star wars comic pretty much since the original marvel one when i stopped reading that one somewhere after empire yeah wikipedia says there was a uh, a novel actually released a year later that was a dawn of the jedi novel and it was called into the void by tim leban I don't know if that's one of the novels that you were familiar with, but yeah. No. What year was the novel? 2012. Yeah, I I was. Or sorry, 2013. Yeah, I, the comic book series was 2012. Yeah, I was. I pretty much stopped. See, I I lucked out, and by the way, since we're still talking about books, uh, May 1st, 1992 was Heir to the Empire. That was the publishing date, appropriately, you know, publishing it in May. That. I lucked out because besides getting those books, I was in on the ground floor of the expanded universe because of the fact that I made it easy to be on the ground floor because I started working for Walden books by the end of 19, by the fall of 93. So you can pretty much borrow, borrow stuff. And I even paper, I, I, because of who I am, I never really wanted to borrow paperbacks. I was really careful with that because you didn't want to run the risk of damaging the spine of the book, unless it's something you knew you wanted to buy anyway. But whenever they had brand new hardcovers, and that's where the, the majority of the a, a huge percentage of the Star Wars books that came out in the first waves were hardcovers. So I, I would borrow. So I would I didn't read all of them. I read most of them. And then some of the paperback ones as they came out, I just I just started buying them. But <laughs> but I I kind of stopped my stuff with the expanded universe kind of ended regularly, probably in the late nineties. And then it was very sporadic. And again, I, there was stuff that I read that's now legends like the Darth Plagueis book. And, and, and of course the Darth Bane trilogy, which is fantastic. But I, but I, as far as continuing the story, like in the same timeline that started with heir to the empire and going forward, I pretty much like all that stuff about, you know, but Han and Leia's kid, like turning to the dark side and all that. All that that's how ironic that the reality is that uh, I I was way done with reading the expanded universe by then. Yeah, Wikipedia says not long after its release in April 2014, the comic and tie-in novel were declared non-canon due to Lucasfilm's redefining of the canon to make way for the sequel trilogy. However, in the 2021-2022 streaming series, The Book of Boba Fett, Tatooine was canonically depicted as once having been an oceanic planet as the comic had established. That's true. It was. So, yeah. Yeah. The, I, they've, they have been bringing bits and pieces of. And again, this is the, I think to be fair, this is the influence of Favreau and Filoni that they've been bringing a lot of when, when it fits with the story they want to tell, they have no problem reaching out back, back to stuff that had come had been established in the expand in the expanded universe books. So I think, which I think is, which I think is kind of cool. That project is, is the one it's the one that could be, could be the best. Yeah. What I'm concerned about is the Kathleen Kennedy influence on this project, <laughs> because I don't think I'm going out on much of a limb to say Kathleen Kennedy has a different view of what star Wars is or what should be than probably Dave Filoni, Favreau, George Lucas, and probably at least seventy percent of the fan base, <laughs> but she could use this as an opportunity to go back and retcon things about the Force and about the Jedi to kind of make it seem like what's well, the really she's right all along and everything we think the Force is and the Jedi are and it's what Star Wars really is. Well, we're kind of wrong because things have kind of been 
uh, bastardized as time has gone on and things have changed, but that's not the way it was. I don't know if that's going to happen. I would like to think the rumors are true that she's pretty much going to be gone by next year. And we'll probably will have a more of a set set date for that once Indy comes and goes. That I'd like to think Iger's not going to let her have too much influence on some of these or have very limited input creatively on these projects at this point. But it makes me nervous. That's the one that makes, you know, if she if if, if we knew she was she you know officially we knew she was hands off on that and couldn't have any influence on on, on the story either what goes in the story what can't go in the story then i'd be more comfortable with that i think mangold can probably do a good job with it but but we also don't know the time frame when he's when he's going to be doing that because he's supposed to because remember the rumors were that he's still involved potentially with swamp thing for for WB or he's in the running for that, so it's like we don't. Um, know. Yeah, I believe I believe Gunn confirmed. I think that he's in the running for that, right? I thought he was. I thought he was doing it. I don't think there was an official announcement. You can Google it, Robert. Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that that's official, but it's but certainly uh, it makes you wonder which project's gonna because again we don't have a time frame for any of these projects as far as there's not there's not a, like a release date for any of these movies yet. But I would agree with you. That's the one that could be the best. I think the Filoni one is the one that's going to be more naturally popular with the fan base. And the Ray one's going to be a hard sell, which is fun, which sucks for Daisy Ridley because Daisy Ridley is really likable. And there's nothing wrong with Ray as far as the way she portrayed Ray. Ray was poorly written. That's not really her fault. You know, it's not her fault they made her a Mary Sue and let her do it. And everything came easy to her. Yeah, they kind of tried to give you a reason for it at the end, but it didn't really, it didn't really help. And it seems like, go ahead. Sorry, from, from, I, uh, speaking to Collider following the announcement of his brand new Star Wars film, Mangold confirmed for the first time that he's working on Swamp Thing, though wouldn't give much else away. Quote, the truth is I'm writing both Swamp Thing and Star Wars right now. Oh, okay. Who okay, knows what's okay. going to happen and what's going to blossom first or second? I'm acknowledging I'm doing Swamp Thing. There's your scoop. It's not a rumor. It's happening. All right. So he confirmed it, not gun. Okay. That that makes it okay. Um. So yeah, and and who knows? This could be one of those. It could be a classic example of conflict of interest. It's like both. Hey, we we want both these movies in production this year. It's like, well, I can only do one. Uh, but we don't know. But again, that's my concern about that project. The right back to the Ray thing. The problem is the problem with the Ray movie is going to have is that it's still so close. Time I don't mean they're setting it 15 years later. I mean in real time. It's still so close to the sequel trilogy, which really, really, really went off the rails massively. And the fact that they literally gave her, as people have joked, is like, like she had she had Luke's lightsaber, she had Luke's name, she had Luke's house, and she like had everything. And now she's going to be the one who's establishing a Jedi Order. And trying to keep it together and all the stuff that, regardless of what you, you know, how much you were a Luke fan after the original trilogy, everybody imagined that was going to be Luke's destiny. And that's what Luke was supposed to do. And yet we were denied all that. (laughs) So then she's still, but she's still kind of doing Luke's, the thing that people wanted Luke to be doing. It's going to be a tough sell. It's going to be a tough sell. They have a good writer writing it, but the uh, Peaky Blinders guy, uh, but but I don't know. I think that's going to that's going to be a tough one. I think that's going to be 
the hardest one to rally the fan base around. Yes, there are people who love like like all the trilogies. There are some people that they based on your age that that's your trilogy. Just like there are some people that the prequels are their trilogy. The reality is for the for the huge percentage, certainly of the old school fan base, that's going to be a tough sell. Even if it's a really really good movie, it's going to be tough to rally a lot of interest in around that movie to start with. So that's going to that one makes me the most nervous from a success perspective which sucks again for daisy ridley because it's not really her fault at all yeah all right what's next you can talk about your spider-verse movie now spider-verse did you i assume you saw it yes i did watch the trailer um what is your experience with spider-man 2099 very little i remember that i i've seen the character in a few books and obviously i remember the font for the uh, so on the seeing it on the, new, on the newsstand and and that was kind of you know kind of big big at the time when they were doing that that line of books and everything uh i do think it's again i from i don't based on what i hear it's not necessarily contradictory that he looks like he's going to be if not the big bad one of the big bads in this movie he certainly looks like he's going to be a serious antagonist and not the only or main one so based on what I hear and have heard about his personality and how he's handled in, in the books, it may not necessarily be that kind of crazy to for like a parallaxian version of him. But I don't know. It's it's certainly it's it's an intriguing way to go about the story. But I, I it probably can work, though, based on there's so many Spider-Man in that trailer. <laughs> ben Riley, the Ben Riley one was a nice touch. Scarlet Spider was a nice touch and tying it into potentially, you know, the whole Doctor Strange stuff and no and no way home and all that. Yeah, I I the trailer, the trailer absolutely, absolutely works as far as up, upping the ante and things like that and trying to build the enthusiasm for that movie up to a maybe a fever pitch. So who knows? Maybe maybe it could actually do significantly better than a lot of people would have suspected it was going to. I don't know if it's going to do Mario money, but who knows? <laughs> Mario, by the way, didn't deserve the money. As far as I'm concerned, like I, I get the nostalgia, the the drive, the marketing campaign, people want to see it, but in terms of it being a good movie, uh, it wasn't bad by any means. It's just, I don't understand how that movie is just in terms of a quality point of view um made the box office it made <laughs> it's probably it's 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 the attachment to the brand and probably a lot of kids wanted to see it and that's probably what it is one of those things that might appeal across the board kids might think it looks really cool and regardless of how much attachment they and they probably have some too to nintendo from playing the games but you also have their parents who are in the right age group that yeah. grew up from everything i mean i mean mario's been around since what donkey kong so the reality so the reality is there's there's a lot and and since you mentioned that, just as a brief segue before before wrapping this back around, I also think that uh, Shazam was not horrible. It yeah, I still need to see it, but I yeah. think it's, at this point I'm going to have to just get it on Blu-ray. Yeah, it, 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 there were there were some there were some good things in it. It was I just I just at the end of the day I just don't think people had any interest in seeing it either because the first one wasn't all that great to a lot of people and because you knew the universe was dead. But I thought as a was it kind of a generic sequel? Yeah, but it certainly was not. Just the way Green Lantern doesn't deserve all the hate that it got. I don't think I don't think Shazam 
I don't think Shazam too. I don't think Fury of the Gods deserved all that hate either. But back around though yes. to Spider Verse. Um, looks great. I'm not as familiar with 2099. That's why I asked you because him feeling villainous felt off to me. But yeah, uh, we we shall see. Um, because I I can't I don't I don't know whereof I speak on that one. Uh, I got to see my boy Spider Punk. In this, that was great. It's on for half a second, but that was cool, uh, which prompted me to then go search for some merchandise. And apparently there's more merchandise than I thought because um, there's a Funko Pop that's going to be coming. That's going to be through Funko directly. Uh, and there's also I mean, there's already a bunch of Spider-Verse like merchandise for this out there right now, but there's going to be more. I told you about the guitar, right? Yes. Yeah, the guitar thing. Uh, there's also another there's a Marvel Legends figure for this that's going to be coming out which i think is pretty freaking cool um but again that's marketing so neither neither here nor there but you can take a look at that oh my god what the hell did i just link you <laughs> sorry uh there it is sorry about that that looks really freaking cool nice detail on that um but um i i like that his family's more involved here i don't like the implication that he's going to have to sacrifice his dad or his mom or something like that they also make it seem like he has no idea what it takes to be a spider-man in terms of sacrifice and that's just bullshit because he mentions the whole thing like what about uncle ben and and peter says like you know if it wasn't for uncle ben a lot of us wouldn't be here or whatever it's like he had uncle aaron like he he went through the same kind of shit you guys went through so like the i get that he's still in a rookie compared to a lot of these others, but I didn't like the implication that like miles doesn't know what he's talking about in terms of sacrifice for being a Spider-Man that kind of pissed me off. But again, it's a trailer. So in terms of being actively pissed off and and thinking that's going to ruin the movie for me, I, you know, uh, it's a trailer. So I'll have to wait and see the movie, but I don't like the implication that one, he doesn't know wherever he speaks and two, they're going to sacrifice his dad or his mom here, which bothers me a little bit, but okay. Uh, I think, I think based on comics and the video games and stuff, it's possible his dad dies um, because we have seen that in other miles media. So I don't know, but this is, this is, it, it seems fun. I look, the animation style is great. Like when his mother snaps at him because he's getting a B in Spanish dude is a half puerto rican so like did you did you notice that because like they do the animation stuff for sound effects but when she snapped it was the puerto rican flag yeah i think i think actually now that you're saying that i think I, because i did watch it because i did watch it more than once i think you were correct i think if i didn't see it notice it the first time i did it was something that it it made it kind of like reinforced the whole point of what she was trying to get across yeah, it was cool. Um, so, I mean, I'm down for it. Uh, it looks like it picks up where it left off. Yes, there's a shit ton of Spidey in here. They do they do the Spider-Verse thing a little too much. Uh, the fact that there's like a a whole city or, you know, like, you know, waiting room for all the Spider-Men across the multiverse to connect is an interesting concept. Um, they've played with the idea of them, you know, teaming up before and, even stuff similar ish to this, but this just seems crazy over the top. <laughs> but uh, I, I do like the everybody stop Spider-Man and we do the damn pointing meme again, but all across the damn city. <laughs> um, 
So that's fun. But, you know, I, I don't put it this way. I like this. I like the first movie so much. And I'm very much looking forward to the second movie and have been ever since it was announced. Nothing in this trailer makes me look forward to it less other than what I've already talked about. I do think this is another project that while I I think I think the interest in this project has grown some. I do think that's true. I still think this is a project where there's that basically the fan base for this project was excited about it all along. And it's not going to change one way or the other for them, uh, which is true for most for almost any project. But I but I I still think there's there might be a possibility for more crossover appeal now than I would have thought before. I still don't know what I have. When is when when does this movie come out? Is it May or is it June? June, June 2nd. All right. So it's so we're getting so about a month, month and a half away. Mm-hmm. That because soon soon we're gonna at least get the box off the the box office tracking on this. We're gonna see what they think this movie is gonna do. And actually, uh, there there could actually be some out there now. Uh, because sometimes they do long range, they do long range tracking. I will be, I will be curious to see to see how this movie does, to see if it dramatically exceeds expectations or dramatically improves over the business that the. Uh, that the first movie did. I will be curious about that. Did but, you uh, did you click on the link for the merchandise? I clicked on. Oh, was that the first link? Second one. Well, the second link. Should, yeah, this, well, that one showed me this the Spider Punk figure. Yes. Uh, did you see the the card stock for that one? Yeah, that isn't that is kind of nice. No, but what it says, what the movie title is. Oh, it's got the old title on it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it, uh, for those of you playing along at home. Uh, I'm looking at the first wave of these Marvel Legends series, and this is the ones that are in the blister cards, not the ones that are in like the. I don't know how to describe the the, the other Marvel Legends figures that come in the windows and everything. Uh, these are the smaller figures that come on blister packaging. Um, it's it says Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One. It still says the Part One. Whereas the other merchandise that's out there right now does not. And it seems because I'm clicking because there's a 2099, there's a Miles, there's a Gwen, there's the Spot, there's Spider-Punk, and there's Peter B. Parker in his sweatpants. And then there's Jessica Drew uh, in this first wave of this Marvel Legends series. And every single one of them has the part one um, cardstock on it. So, well, considering uh-huh. how far in advance the toys are made, that's yeah. not. We have seen we have seen stranger, stranger things than that. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't really like that style, the anim that animated style. But I do think the figure the figures certainly look pretty damn good, considering that they are trying to capture that style. For sure. And I this much because you know I'm not usually the kind of person who buys a bunch of stuff like multiple copies of things. Uh, even the spider punk stuff I do have, I only have one of each, um, but I might get two of these because I really do like the detail on this figure. I, I think he would look cool posed um, out of the box. So the, the Gwen figure is nice. Yeah, for sure. All right. What else we got? Blue Beetle, I guess. Right. That's the next major. Yeah. The, well, the major one we haven't kind of like crossed off at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Blue Beetle, um, which is. 
technically supposed to start our new universe. Well, it's supposed to be that character is supposed to be included in the new universe. Yeah. I mean, um, Flash is our bridge. Blue Beetle is our entry, I guess. I don't know. Um, if I, if if the way we were pitched all of this is right or not, I don't know. Um, Dep- well, it has to succeed. Obviously, if it fails miserably, then I'm sure it'll get it'll get washed away with a lot of the other remnants of the DCEU. Yeah, we shall see. It it does look fun. Uh, it's obviously not intended for an adult audience. In ter- it's well, let's say it's intended for a younger art- audience because first of all, it's a kid who becomes the I mean, he's a teen or whatever here, but it's a kid who gets these powers. It's a family comedy type of situation here for a little bit. Family action comedy type of thing. Um, so right away, the intent, the intended audience and everything is a little bit different than your average superhero flick. But I do I do like it. I think it's cool looking. They did a fantastic job on the suit. Well done executing page to screen. Um, lots of detail, but not overly alien overly designed uh to where it looks impractical or whatever i i i even get a little power rangers feel from it yeah i did um, too i did too so and and they really drove that point home with his little dance with a sword at the end that he does there and his kind of action fight pose and stuff like that which was interesting but it looks fun it looks cool i will say uh, one of your complaints about Age of Ultron, I thought, was that they revealed the vision too early in the trailer and the marketing, right? Right. It's not as big of a sin, but we, sh- you should not have shown us Ted Kord's Beetle ship in this trailer. We 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 should not have seen that. I mean, you're that, pro- you're probably correct, but it, but for a lot of people, it's probably going to not mean much because most it's, people aren't. It's, gonna... it's it's not, but we didn't need to see that here. That's a fun Easter egg. I could have like I could have gone without because there's another scene later on where we see them um, where his dad says or his uncle or whoever that is says Batman's a fascist. And they're like going through like a blue beetle armory. And in the background, do you see the original beetle costumes? That's enough of a nod. The ship, the ship is cool enough. The ship, the, the ship should have been its own reveal. Um, now, obviously, they could do some more fun with it, and Ted Cord could be involved a lot more than we think he may be, and stuff like that. That's neither here nor there. I just, I was a little let down that they showed me the ship. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal or whatever, but that was, I, I could have waited to see that. I could have waited to see some really good Ted Cord Easter eggs. No, I can, I can understand that. I, I could see that. That critic, that point of view, that that critiquing of it, it is interesting that they're trying to. It seems like from a suit perspective or a power perspective, they're trying to split the difference between like Iron Man and Green Lantern, and how the suit and how the suit looks and how the suit behaves. That, uh, which is not a bad appeal, just generally speaking, to try to as a as a concept to try to draw people in who are not, unfamiliar with the character or the property. Yeah, I thought I thought it was fine for what it was. It was a it was a good tone. I'm not even going to try to pronounce what uh, the kids the kid's name because he's got. I may. No, I, I don't mean the character's name. Oh, I mean the actor. I don't know because because 
I, I don't even, I, I love him on Cobra Kai and I still won't even try to pronounce his name because it's just, I don't think it's as hard to say as it's spelled, but he was a draw. One they cast in now, I thought that was, that was a, that was a draw for me. I thought that would, I thought that was a, I thought that was a nice touch. And obviously, at least internally, they think this movie works because it was supposed to be a HBO Max movie. And yeah, it, it, it looks no better slash worse, maybe maybe slightly better, but no worse than the original Shazam marketing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah I, I but I it, it is interesting that in in a year in which you know Batgirl got completely flushed down the toilet because it's supposed to be god awful. That and that was an HBO Max movie too. That this movie was an HBO Max movie, and it's so good from from their perspective that it's worth releasing to try yeah. to get either because they think it'll work or to get as much. They figure it can make enough money to make to justify justify releasing it without doing damage to the brand, which was the argument of why that they wouldn't even bother putting Batgirl on uh, on the streaming platform. I don't think it's I don't think it's you know it's not a jaw dropping trailer. I don't think it's gonna make people it's not a must watch movie now because of that trailer but it's it's a teaser trailer so they still have time to they still have time to push it and to make it more appealing this is just this is just telling people who are in diehard dc fans that hey this movie is coming i mean the the big thing with blue beetle especially if you're going the jaime reyes interpretation of the character is i mean was honestly the suit the, you know, you got to nail the scarab in the suit and how it looks because we've seen it look bad, uh, Smallville. But, uh, you know, there's there's ways to do it, ways to not do it. And I think it looks great here. I think they did a great job with the suit, which already takes a lot of pressure off of whether or not you're going to be able to suspend disbelief as a at least as a comic book fan who's familiar with Jaime and, and what his suit looks like. It, the suit looks good. Now we can move on. <laughs> that is that is half the battle. Again, we going back to our Green Lantern movie. That if the if the, uh, if the suit doesn't really seem to work, then if the costume doesn't seem to work, it's it's it is an uphill. It is an uphill climb. All right. Anything else? I'm sure we're forgetting something, but I think that was everything we said we were going to talk about, wasn't it? Unless we want to do Secret Invasion, but probably not. Oh yeah, that, that see, I knew I. I knew, and we kept we kept hop, hopping and jumping through topics that there's not that much to say about Secret Invasion to me. I mean, it's I don't think we we don't know all that much more about, but other than the fact that we're supposed to get in story explanation for why the Avengers are not involved in any of this, which is probably yeah, nothing more. I was going to bring in, I was going to bring that up. It, it looks like it finally answers your question: Where are the Avengers? If not, who's the roster? <laughs> well. I don't know if it's going to answer that as much. I think it's just going to, it might, I think it might just answer why they've been kept off the board, uh, potentially, or, but I don't know. I, we'll see. I, I would suspect we'll get some inkling because it is Nick Fury and he is coming back to Earth and all this stuff. It's, I would suspect we have to get some information about the Avengers, at least. I mean, even, even maybe slightly in, uh, in the Marvel, since we know Kamala thinks she's she's on an Avengers tryout. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, people want to reach out to us. How do they do so? Which is funny because I don't even have that document open. Do we think I can wing it? Lantern <laughs> Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. See, this is what happens when you get so used to reading the damn thing. 
Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. That, that's the one. Uh, we're on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. Like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708 Lantern, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.